Hello and welcome to the Agenda. It's the Agenda Live. I'm your host, Christopher Gallagher. We're coming to you live uh, at uh, 12 o'clock on Monday, the 17th of April, 2023. Um, We're joined, as always, by Kieran Devlin. Hello, Kieran. How the hell are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, Excited, excited for this, the first uh, agenda live recording. It's uh, great to be here for this momentous occasion. Some buzzy. Oh, you can see. I mean, you can see anything. <laughs> That's the terrifying thing. But uh, Kieran, it's uh, great to have you involved. Uh, of course, Alan's got his uh, technical issues. Usually, he's not done before the podcast. Um, Alan, I feel, I feel it's great because you know when you see like other podcasts or there's other stuff going on that they do a bit that they have from it. Yeah, like del- deliberately, they're doing a bit that an ongoing uh, running gag. But instead, we have an accidental running gag, which I feel is more poetic. <laughs> I mean, it's as a gag. It's also t- true. Um, Alan, <laughs> look at his wee face. He's honestly, he's so he's he's so stressed. Uh, Kieran, it's a pleasure to have you here. We've got pl- lots of people listening in live. Uh, the site also will become a podcast as well. So if you're listening live, thanks for uh, taking the time to uh, listen with us. If you're at home or at work, um, on your lunch or whatever, uh, thanks for getting involved. Um, if you want to phone in, you can phone in 07457 That's 07457 You can also send us a WhatsApp message if you want. Um, I mean, we're not expecting, uh, as we say, we know it's lunchtime and stuff, and it's a little um, short uh, notice, but uh, here he is. Alan Edgar, hello, sir. How are you? Hello, I'm good. Um, <laughs> I'm, I have a, a slight film of sweat over my face now, just from the sheer panic. Um, Apple products, Christopher. Not all they're cracked up to be. It's not all they're cracked up to be. Um, Alan, it's, it's great to have you here. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks to everyone, as we say, who's listening. And uh, we're just going to do the agenda as normal, but uh, just live. So um, we'll get involved. Um, as I say, you can contact us, um, editor at the cynic. You know, the phone number's there. It's in your emails um, if you want to phone in or WhatsApp or whatever. We've got some questions, as we always do, from our uh, subscribers. And uh, as always, they're excellent. Um, it's uh, lovely. I didn't even do the weather. It's a... Uh, Lovely, warm, yet kind of overcast day in Glasgow. Uh, a bit grey, but kind of nice and warm. Uh, I got the old t-shirt and shorts on, uh, which is uh, unusual for me. Uh, Kieran, how is how are things in Edinburgh? Uh, also overcast, also slightly warm. I wouldn't go as far as saying it's humid. I don't think we're quite at humid temperatures. But uh, I went for a run this morning, and there that was one layer of weather. So I, th- I think yeah, it's starting to get. It's starting to get a bit summery now. I'm getting I get excited. I went for a nice hike on Saturday up in the Pentlands and I was down to one one layer of weather and shorts on. And it's, it's good. I'm really glad short season is here because I'm a big shorts guy. I'm sure you are as well. I'm sure we're all big shorts guys. I feel that's an agenda brand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one layer um, weather is uh, not a thing, Kieran, but um, keep going. Keep trying for it to happen <laughs> and uh, we'll see. Uh, Alan, how are you? How are things? What have you been up to? I'm good, mate. Also, um, just for... Just so everyone is aware, I'm also on shorts. Um, so it's a, it's a full house on a shorts front. Um, I'm good. I was out nice and early this morning with a dog. It is, I would agree, a wee bit overcast. Um, I was away last week, had a lovely few days away. So feeling refreshed, nice and relaxed and, uh, and ready to go. Absolutely. Great stuff. Um, we've got lots to talk about. Obviously, Celtic's uh, fantastic victory yesterday. We did a, a, a reaction to that, which is available uh, in your feed on the website and uh, on your uh, app as well. So check that out. Myself, uh, Chris Armani and Annabelle uh, kind of broke through it. But we'll, we'll talk about other aspects of that game. Um, 
And yes, Kieran, we'll, we will talk about Kobayashi. All right, so just, uh, Kieran, just take it, just relax. Kobayashi will come up. We'll have quotes from Ange Postacoglu about Kobayashi. We've got questions uh, from subscribers about Kobayashi. The Kobayashi Corner will be here soon. The Yuki Jacuzzi, I'm calling it. Oh, Jesus. Um, okay, it's, it's cancelled. Can the Yuki? <laughs> come in, the water is warm. Jesus Christ. Um... Great stuff. A shout out to Liam Flynn. Uh, he uh, he messages on um, Instagram saying that he was uh, looking forward to the the live sh- live uh, agenda. Uh, if he can get his night fi- night shift finished, so hopefully uh, uh, Liam's listening. And if not, he's listening to the podcast later on. Uh, we've got a live show, of course, on the twenty sixth of Wednesday, the twenty sixth of April. Um, which is the Wednesday before the semi-final, in which we'll be looking back at two huge games in April uh, 20, uh, 2008. Sorry, And uh, it's going to be build up to the big game, and we are absolutely excited for it. We've released a second batch, batch of tickets, and they're almost gone. So if you're interested, get your tickets maybe today, um, because they might be gone by tomorrow. That's how quickly these things are selling out. Um, it's at Blackfriars. Um, Wednesday the 26th of April we'll put another email out probably just to remind people as well so um, that'll be there for you uh, right let's uh, let's get involved um, actually you know before we, we do our opening question we get a message, we got a whatsapp from Ryan um, so Ryan uh, Doc messaged yesterday or sorry on Friday and uh, he had a message uh, so I just want to read it out, evening gentlemen just a pointless little story to tell had a wee trip to Manchester two weeks ago for my brother Stag do, decided we were going to head to Fleetwood to watch Scott Brown's boys play against Exeter. We didn't buy hospitality or anything, but luckily got talking to a volunteer commercial guy who, after some charming, uh, took us onto the pitch pre-game to meet the man himself. He was an absolute gentleman. If he stays around, I would highly recommend a day out there. A very warm and welcoming environment. We also met Gary Caldwell, who's the Exeter manager. My Aberdeen supporting friend got uh, to me, Barry Nicholson and uh, Yule Maweni, who are on Brown's coaching staff. And Brown's assistant, Stephen, uh, Stephen Whitaker got completely ignored, um, which I know that I, I, as soon as I saw Stephen Whitaker, I thought, ignored. I'm an Edgar, I'll love that. Uh, take care and enjoy the celebrations in the coming months, Ryan Doc. Nice story uh, about going down to Fleetwood. Uh, Ryan Whitaker. Anyone else from the Hibs Golden Generation that was a part of the management staff there was uh does not get Gary. What's Gary O'Connor up to these days? I can't imagine he's holding down a stable job as a coach. He's, to be honest, he's um, head accountant at Fleetwood, I believe. <laughs> uh, that was a great wee story. I thought that was kind of cool. It's good when you hear about kind of wee football stories, Alan. Obviously, we all have them by going to different places. Stag do's are, are perfect for that sort of thing. Well, I know um, I'll be passing that story on to uh, one of Pamela's cousins who are heading down to Blackpool, I think, for a football tournament with the kids, um, I think, next weekend, which is obviously unfortunately timed because they've had to give away their semi-final ticket. Um, And I think they were going to um, potentially look in at stopping down at Fleetwood um, if they're at home. So I think there'll be a lot of um, people passing that way that will now be quite interested because of Scott Brown and his success there. So, no, that's lovely. That's really nice to hear. And um, any kind of stories that people have I've heard about Scott Brown, he does seem like he is a, a class act. So it's it's really nice to, to kind of that you still get that connection. Yeah, absolutely. Could agree more. Um, let's go straight to the opening question. It's from Daniel Miller, um, and it's kind of a question I think that's in all of our minds at this point. With six games to go and us fifteen goals from a record league goal tally, will we do it? Um, obviously, yesterday was a a kind of. Uh, a blitzkrieg in the first half, certainly, where we got those four goals. And again, we'll, we'll kind of talk through them. But um, 
116 games uh, goals in 38 games in the 1915-16 season is what we're looking to beat. Um, Kieran, do you think we'll do it? Yes. No, I just thought, is this the, the bit of Moodle? There's so much positivity around at the moment. I'm just going to go yes. I'll be able to think about like how staggering that an achievement that would be given how different football looked over a hundred years ago when, yeah. you know, it was pretty routine that some clubs, I don't know, I can't imagine it was a 38 game season they were playing there, but at the same time, it was pretty routine for clubs to just beat teams like 11 nil every now and again. Like it was just, the football was like unrecognisable to what it is today. So to, to beat that would be like an absolutely ludicrous achievement. It would be ridiculous. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying yes. I know that that's a lot of goals we have to to make up on, but at the same time, you know, one, you know, if we only would beat a team one 0 or two one or whatever, hammer someone at home six or seven 0 and the complexion of that changes entirely. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say yes, and uh, I was going to be, we're going to feature another Kyogo hat trick, and we're going to have an Awata screamer. Although those are going to be some of the goals that make up for it. Oh, great stuff um, Alan um, firstly do you think we'll do it and secondly what do you think that does in the context of this team I think we will do it um, I think we could have done it yesterday if we would have really um, <laughs> really going to get the head screwed on um, I think we will it's just on that cusp of you're going to have to continue to be really really good um, because you know it's it will be tight but I do like the idea that obviously the way the, the the league split works, we know that what they generally try and do, and I'll use the expression the beaks at the SFA, what they try and do is, or the SPL, sorry, what they try and do is, is ensure that we don't win the league at Ibrox. So I like the idea now they've also got this other little thing that they've got to maybe, maybe we shouldn't let them score 100 goals at Ibrox as well. Um, I mean, that's where the league's got to, let's be entirely honest. I think we can speak from a position of confidence now that, it's not even about, you know, just winning the league anymore. It's about breaking records and just going on and trying to do something that, again, will be kind of remembered. Um, so I think in terms of what it would do for this team, I think it would just be a nice little aside to what has been an incredible season because all we've done or what we've done this year is we've improved in last year and we've largely removed a lot of the jeopardy that was there in some games last season. This season, particularly since about November time, has just been just relentless. So it would be really nice. It would be nice if they could top it off. Um, and if you could do it at Ibrooks, then it would make, well, it would make at least one Celtic fan very, very happy. And I'm sure plenty of others as well. Um, I mean, they're not going to let us, they're not, they're, they're they're not going to let us win it at Ibrooks, right? Um, and also, they're definitely not win the league at Ibrooks. I, I, I assume that they'll, um, position that fixture in such a way that it will have been done and dusted by that point or potentially. Um, it could be the first game, but I would think they'll put it way down the line. Not the last game, but very nearly. Oh, obviously, as you as you say there, if they do it, the, if they make it the first game, that means that would be the that would be the coronation weekend. We can't go to Ibrox in the coronation weekend, can we? Is that is that not that attitude, Christopher? <laughs> is that allowed? <laughs> I, I, you know, can you imagine going and scudding them on the great day of these? People's lives for some. I don't think it'd be a very um, be a very low crowd at Ibrox. I would imagine because <laughs> if they can go and watch their team get host off Celtic, or they can um, watch the coronation. I think they'll um, oh, they'll be tuned into BBC One, listening to Hugh Edwards. Don't you worry about that. Um, we've got another question from Andrew to kind of open us up as well. Um, I get the agile and the transfer pattern from Ange, and I'm okay with it. But are some players different? Example: Hatati, 
Are we still the type of club that can push the boat out for players that we think can do a job in Europe? E.g. Hatati. Should we break the legs of every Brighton Southampton scout that steps foot into a great city to keep our best players? E.g. Hitati. Um This is this is kind of the thing, you know, we we talk about Agile in the transfer market and Ange has, has been very clear about how we need to move forward to be a kind of modern progressive club and you know there are you know I've kind of taken that on board personally and I've thought fine no problem but there are some players where you would say I'd like to see them for a little bit longer Hitati is definitely one of them you know we maybe would have thought that Matt Riley this season towards the end of the season would have been someone who might have been linked kind of away you know just obviously his forms kind of been a little bit up and down and we can talk about how well he kind of uh, performed uh, at the weekend but can we keep these guys can is the, the the European carrot if they stay for two or three years can we get them to stay for maybe an extra year Keenan? yeah definitely I think I think Next year is going to be the big one, and we should treat it as such. Like I think, if you know, team cycles are normally about every three years, and that would be our third year. Um, and we will be in such a strong position financially, especially if Tierney and Frimpongan get the big moves that have been touted. You know, if combined, that's almost twenty million from those two on sell-on fees, uh, not to mention the Champions League money. You know, if we do, if Ibada is the only player we sell, we should get decent money for him as well. We could be in an incredibly strong financial position, which not only, you know, you guys talked about well in the biscuit tin, you know, there's all this infrastructure you can invest in as well and have a good transfer kitty in general. But the big thing is there's absolutely zero need to sell these guys. And the good thing about what did we, what did we give Hatati? Was it four and a half years or five and a half years or something? Something like he's on a big contract. The, I think the lowest they'll be on is three years when we get to June, I think all these guys, you can really pitch it to everyone, to the club, to the manager, that, you know, two or three major signings this summer um, and you keep your key players. If you keep Hatate, CCV, Jota, Kyogo, um, going, going into this summer, it just puts you in such a strong position and we've got this Champions League experience. We know where we need to address. I think everybody seems in agreement of... Keeper and maybe a couple other players in the spine of the team that really help us elevate to that next level. We, you know, we don't make the same mistakes defensively as we did last time. Hopefully, with Kyogo in the form, he continues his form up until the Champions League, or we either new addition who add that clinical edge. I, I do think it's a really easy pitch to players. You know, like Hitati will be twenty six next uh, next summer. He won't be over the hill. He'll still be a very attractive prospect for clubs around Europe. And there's obviously, there's obviously the the flip side to it as well, he, I think, we on on here agreed that Hatati is one of the be- the players who performed the best in the Champions League. I'd argue alongside Taylor. I think those two were the two standouts for me. Um, but if he goes and not only continues his form but improves on it and becomes one of our key players in the Champions League run, where we get to the last sixteen or finish strongly in third and then have a Europa League run, that's you know adds to Celt- the amount of money Celtic can ask for him, but also adds to his own credibility that you know. Okay, Brighton are a really good club. You've got Matoma there, who's just one of the most exciting players to watch in European football at the moment. But if you go one better, there's no, and you do perform that we know we can in Europe. There's no reason why you can get a uh, to a bigger club than Brighton. You know, in the same way that we saw with Tierney and how he performed in Europe was like the convincing um, factor in his move to a top six club in Arsenal. Um, so I think there's a lot of variety of factors you can really pitch to these guys that. Give it one more crack at the Champions League, one more crack at doing something special domestically as well. 
And I think that's a really easy way to sell. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Alan, what's your kind of take on that? Because obviously, you know, these a lot of these players coming from, um, you know, Asia or uh, countries where they maybe haven't had the opportunity to play in European football um, and to play not only in Europe, but European football, because there's plenty of clubs you can go to where you can play in a good league, top five league, no bother at all. But playing that European football, playing Champions League isn't going to happen at Brighton. It's not going to happen at a lot of these opportunities. How big of a pull do you think the Champions League is for players coming from Japan? Because obviously it's the Champions League in European football is broadcast there. It's very, very big. How much of a carrot is that for them? I think it's a huge, I think it's a huge draw. And I think the important distinction you've made there is Champions League, not European football, because there's a lot of European football to go around. Um, there's a lot of teams throughout Europe that can promise European football, but there's a very limited number of teams that can offer Champions League football. And there's an even more limited number of teams that can offer Champions League football to non, and it's not to talk our players down, but to players who aren't what would be traditionally classed as elite level. Um, and I, I can't emphasise enough that's not about talking the players down but there are so many clubs in the Champions League that will need to see that players have that experience or that they've done something that would merit them going straight to those clubs as Kieran kind of said whereas Celtic along with maybe about another 12, 13 clubs can actually offer these guys Champions League football where they have that you know minimum exposure of six games at the top level um, where they can you know, either show that they're good enough, that they, they belong at that level or that they um, can can add to a team. And I think it's massive. But I think hand in hand with that, what has to be done, and I think Ange has, has already said that it, it would be the end of the season, is you sit and take some stock. You look at your progress, you look at where you've been. And I think probably the end of the season will be an interesting one for a number of our players. You know, Rio Hitate, if we're talking about him, that'll be a year and a half now he's been here. Um, I think that's... At that point, he'll probably want to have a think about, you know, where does his progress lies, Kieran says. You know, coming up for 26, um, he's still got a lot of football left in him. So I think we sometimes have this idea that, especially with, you know, the, the Japanese core of players that we brought in, that they're this homogenous group who all have the same ambitions and same ideas, but it's just not the case, you know. I think there's very different discussions when you're talking about Kyogo versus Rio Hitate, for example. So I think at the end of the season, it will be interesting. It's promising that his name doesn't pop up in that BBC gossip page every morning that I know you check religiously, just like I do as well, and I think most people do. And that that's a positive sign. That's a good sign. Um, there's no kind of agent trying to punt players away. So I think there are a lot of positive steps, but when the window comes round in the summer, I think our players will be on a lot of lists and it's just about trying to have a frank and open discussion. And to answer the initial question, I think that flexibility over transfer policy has to extend to every player. And I think if one player, you know, if CCV, Hitati, one of those guys go, I think you're just going to have to make sure you get the absolute maximum value for them and that you have, a, you know, targets identified and you can kind of move forward. More than ever, this is a team that I'm not attached to one player in particular, maybe with the exception of Callum McGregor, but I'm fairly confident he will see out his kind of career here. So I think the rest of them it is just a case of maximum value and reinvesting you know, a good portion of that into talent because our talent identification has been very good in recent months and years. Yeah, absolutely. If you've got any comments or anything, let us know. 07457 Send us a WhatsApp uh, or a call in um, and uh, we'll, uh, we can chat. Um 
I, I, I know obviously we've got a rundown for this, but I want to jump to Yogi Kobayashi. Yuki, what is it, Kieran? It's the Yuki. The Yuki Jacuzzi. I posted this in one of the Cynics chat and got basically nobody commented on it, but yeah. I'm absolutely still running with it and seeing them without any. No excuses. No excuses. Having a great time out. I'm not sure. I, I, I like I like a sauna, a spa, etc. But I, I just don't know. I just don't know. Just, I just Alan just doesn't know. Um, just um, Ange Postecoglou talking about uh, Yuki Kobayashi. Um, had some quotes from him. Uh, I thought he was really. This was obviously about yesterday. I thought he was really good. It wasn't easy to play on the surface, and they were physical. It was good to get him ninety minutes, but in all the games he's played, he's hardly put a foot wrong, and he's growing as a player. That's always going to be the challenge. If it's not Cameron or Carl, it'll be someone else. All good clubs won't just have two good centre halves. We want more in each each position. Challenging. Um, I thought he was great yesterday. I I I, I thought his use of the ball coming out, um, the old uh, the old coming out. Uh, Playing out from the back was was good at points. Um, he wasn't overpowered. He wasn't you know easily bullied or anything. Um, Keenan, do you know what? Here we go. Here, get your soapbox, set it up. Let's ha- let's hear your speech, sir. Well, I think the the man speaks for himself with his uh, <laughs> with his performances. His performances speak for themselves. <laughs> no, it was it was great yesterday. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I think it's just the. It's not just like his technical ability. I think I mentioned before, it's just how quickly he moves the ball on. Um, he's always looking for a progressive pass. We saw a couple of times where be, he was being under pressure, but I think there was one in the first half where he just he realised he can't he can't just like um, pass it softly. He was under pressure and he just sort of quit, like dinged it over the the guy who was pressing him's foot to, to McGregor. Um, but it was that pace, and we know McGregor's first touch is good that he can take it. But I think it's just that kind of thing that he's always. Unless there's no option on, in which case he, you know, he uses the ball smartly. He will never just try something that isn't on, which maybe is one of the criticisms we've seen against Bernabeu, um, who will just, to his credit, will always try and be ambitious, but a lot of the time it doesn't come off or it doesn't execute it well. Whereas Kobayashi just uses the ball smartly, and when he does, he's just, you know, it's one or two touches, very quick, one or two seconds, moving the ball on, which I think really that that level of ambition and speed of thought really sort of. Uh, was illustrated with uh, O'Reilly's first goal um, when, you know, just he, he spotted Taylor is in that space and he has the speed of mind and the quality to execute it where he's just very quick, two feet, very precise. Taylor has time and space then to turn and then feed in O'Reilly. I just thought that was a brilliant goal. And we would, you know, I think we'd always put aside how atrocious Kamala were in the first half because they were just diabolical. But that didn't, we also played some really nice stuff at the times. Um, I thought it was great. I thought all the Japanese players were great yesterday. Like, I, I, like as much as I'm a Kobayashi mark, I'm increasingly joining uh, Somani uh, <laughs> in the Iwata fan club because I think he's just been sensational the last few games and I'm really excited about him. You know, I think I mentioned, talked about it to death as anybody in the agenda knows that I feel like ball playing centre-back was something we badly, badly need to, to get the next level. But the, the other the other player we needed, that other profile has been that traditional number six that can also play a bit, that can also provide you going further forward. And we've tried to address that with McCarthy, with Abogard, with Idiguchi, even tried Moy there at the start before he's just become a straightforward number eight now. But Awata really looks the part. Like, it looks exactly what we need in terms of somebody that gives you that, you know, that that grit and that defensive cover that we 
badly missed in the Champions League this season. But he look, he's, he's so good on the ball. Again, as somebody who, like Kobayashi, he just makes the right decisions every time. Um, he will, you know, recycle it if there's not on, but he will, he has the vision for ambitious passes for down the line or in, you know, through balls in behind. And his, you know, his close control is just exceptional. Like, I think he's a really, him and Kobayashi, you know, it's taken a while to get to see a bit, some more of them, but they do look like they fit those profiles of the types of players that we badly needed to advance to the next stage. And I can't wait to see more of them. Can I just say, it's a, it's a joy to hear you happy and positive and really going for it, Kieran. Delighted. Um, Alan, I thought they were both terrible. Um, what's your kind of, what's your, nah, just on Kobayashi, um, you know, it's funny because I was thinking, you know, Kieran makes a really good case for him, right? And I thought he performed really well. But then you can start throwing out caveats about how Kamarnock were, you know, really poor and X and Y. You kind of cut these guys a break sometimes because they can only play football and they can only play the game that's in front of them. And when they impress, you're still like, aye, but, you know, this is a this is a yeah. la- last big game before the split, or second last game. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pressure game and he, he performed really well. Yeah, on that vein, I've got the the quote from the, well, the late, great Bertie Old, aye, but can he play? We could just adapt that for Kobe Ash and say, aye, but can he defend? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we're really trying to stick something to him, um Nah, I, I thought I thought it was brilliant yesterday, um, and to be honest, uh, it was actually it was really ref- refreshing to see a centre half really ambitious, um, really really high starting position, um, really good relationship with Greg Taylor. Um, there was a swap at one point that, to be honest, just I don't think either a centre half staff or CCV would do that, um, but it's because they know what they're good at and what they're they're not good at, um, and as you say, it's you feel as if by praising one player you're criticising another but it's not they're just a very very different qualities um, but Kobayashi uh, you know took an opportunity yesterday and I think it was the perfect game for him um, obviously a, a good surface um, you know in terms of you can you can get the ball moving if you put enough on it and I, I thought he did that I thought he was excellent he was really ambitious he's passing playing through the lines and just cut Kilmarnock open um, a number of times so it was a really really good showing from him um, and to be fair every time he has come in he's looked very very comfortable it's just probably then you know when he gets that big opportunity now and we've been here before with a, a number of players where you know we say he's getting game time he's getting minutes when will he get that big game and I think we're going to probably come on to a discussion either this week or next week. But the one thing I would say is that Ange has no issue in just sticking with the guy that has the jersey. Um, he's done that before. So it'll be interesting to see what, what happens, you know, at the weekend. I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit later. But in terms of his performance yesterday, I thought he was superb. He did really, really well. Um, and it was just a, a shame, I suppose, that the game fizzled out a little because he was striving and it was an absolute pl- pleasure to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Awata, Alan, your thoughts on Awata as well? I, I just think he's just a remarkably tidy player. Um, and I know that's probably not the most um, overzealous of adjectives to use, but he's just he's quite ruthlessly effective. Um, and I think what you're starting to see is a, a little bit more ambition from him. Um, Kieran's tipped him to contribute one of the 100 goals that we're going to score this season. He wasn't far off yesterday with what beautiful effort um, cut right across the ball. Um, and he looks like a versatile player as well. He looks like you can deploy him in a number of, a number of areas in the middle of the park. And um, I had, just before I come on, I actually listened to Matt O'Reilly's interview in Celtic TV and I think Matt O'Reilly was complimenting just the amount of work that he puts in physically, um, described him as a tank. And 
he just looks like he's growing game by game. Um, and he looks like he's got a really good relationship with a number of players around about him. He's a talker. He's a bit of an asshole in some ways as well. I noticed a lot yesterday. Um, he looks like the player that might be the one to, um, you know, stand up for other players at times as well, which is good. I always like that. So now another really, really good performance from him. And he's starting to grow week by week. And it's, it's just a joy when we sign players and we can bleed them in at a rate that's, you know, allows other guys to show their strength. But when they do start to get cooking, you know, it's, it's up to them if they if they stay in the lineup. And Awat is definitely one of those in conversation now. And uh, a wee scan down the rundown that was sent out before suggests that we might be coming back to that topic as well. Uh, see, on that, uh, regarding that midfield three, uh, you know, Kieran, we are, I think that's, you know, kind of the heartbeat of this Ange team for me, for me anyway, you know, that those three positions. Um, that versatility that Awata brings to it, Matt O'Reilly's got a certain level of versatility, you know, and so does Callum McGregor. You know, we're looking at guys who now are not just let's put them in a position because we need their name on the team sheet, but it's like they can play six, they can play eight. Some of them probably can play 10. Now, I'm not saying they will, but that versatility is just really, really important for us to get to the next level, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, you guys covered it well in the reaction where McGregor and Awata especially, they just, they interchanged a lot positionally. And in terms of the runs they were making, they did seem, it wasn't just as simple as Awata was was the six and McGregor was the eight. There was, it was a lot more fluid than that. And it does feel maybe that that's what Ange is getting towards. And it, you know, it's maybe a bit different because O'Reilly does a lot of defensive cover as well. He, he was really good defensively yesterday, I thought. Um, and against, and against Rangers. Um, I, and then you, you, you know, you've still got Hatate to come back as well. But the thing that's remarkable about Awata is that he played centre back for almost the entire of last season. Now, obviously, Japan, the way they're, the J League style of football is very, very different to Scotland's, and I'm not saying he's, we should give Awata a shot uh, as centre back, especially when we've got such good options there. Um, but I just think it's a it's a real sort of illustration of his skill set as a whole because he reads the game so well. You know, it's just amazing to think about this guy who is, he can he, he's so trusted to be the last line of defence when he he also looks so comfortable in the ball and he looks to re, you know. His his vision is uh, in possession is so good. Like he just looks like such a well rounded player. Um, but yeah, I think you know getting into the Champions League next season. There's one thing. My one of my big complaints was that we just didn't have. There was like a lack of pace in our midfield at times. And I do think if we do keep Hitate, like Awata, Hitate, McGregor, which I don't think we've seen them as a trio yet. Even not never mind starting. I don't think we've seen them as a trio just for like five or ten minutes or whatever. I'm so excited to see that. Like, you know, O'Reilly and Moy have contributed a lot this season. They're very talented players. Um, God, I, I, I completely forgot Turnbull there. That's quite bad. Um, but like, I do, I do think, I do think those three are maybe where, if you're Ange, you're thinking these are guys in terms of their skill set and their abilities. Those are your three for the Champions League next season. I think you no know, injuries permitting and fitness permitting, but I, I think I'm really excited about the three of them together. Alan, let me ask you this, in regards to the squad and the ability to manage it well, how many do you think you need in regards to central midfield? And I asked that with a second kind of pronged question, and that would be that, you know, I think Matt O'Reilly, who is starting to again come back into some really good form, um, last couple of games he's been excellent, yesterday was really, really good, but if you've got Awata and you've got Hitati and you've got Hitati guaranteed to stay another season, 
And you've got Awata coming in and impressing. McGregor's always there. If someone came in for O'Reilly and they gave you a decent amount of money for him, a decent offer because they could see all the potential of him there, would you be more likely to take it now that Awata has came in? I don't think so because, I, I, to be honest, I thought where I thought that question was going there was how many do you need? And I, I think in my head I was thinking, well, I want five players that can all play to a, a good standard. And I think O'Reilly probably needs to factor into that. You know, I like the Awata, Hitati and McGregor trio. Sounds like it's well balanced. I think for Europe, it would be much more sound defensively. And there would be, there's more legs in there. Just wonder a little bit about just a little bit of composure and guile maybe in between the lines. And Matt O'Reilly's probably the one that can, you know, if it's a case of sticking your hand up and saying to the manager, look, here's what I can offer. I think that's probably what Matt O'Reilly's not unique selling point is, but that's definitely his strength. And I think you've seen that yesterday. His ability to find space, receive the ball and then bring other players in is really, really important. Um, So... I don't think Iwata breaking into the team and, and starting to show that ability, I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't make me more inclined to, what, what to see mean? Matt O'Reilly out the door. I think probably you'd be looking at maybe one of the other guys, to be honest, and trying to see can we improve there, get a decent fee in, and you know maybe bring someone else in or something like that, as opposed to seeing O'Reilly out the door because there's a lot of football to be played next season, and that is a very labour-intensive area of the park as well. Yeah, he's played forty-four games already this season, so and. You know, this is a season where he's maybe not started every game. Well, the reason I said that about O'Reilly is, I, I, you know, I, I, as I say, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan, as I think we all are. But I just mean, Ange seems to be kind of someone who almost comes in with a fresh set of eyes every transfer window saying, OK, what can we do? What can we move on? And, you know, maybe Matt O'Reilly's been great and actually we've got quite a big offer for him and we could re put that, put that back into the squad. That's all I was saying with that, because I, I think you're probably right. I think five is probably a good number. Yeah, and I think he probably falls into the same category as a number of players in that if he was to move on, I don't think it would be a signifier that the club is, you know, trying to cash in and break up the squad. I think it would just be a case of, you know, if a club could, if a Premier League team, for example, was to come in with a significant amount, Ange might look at it and think, you know, no, we've done well out of it and I can spend the money wisely. But I think at this point, I think Matt O'Reilly would fit to me, would be in the category of he's had a a mixed season at times, um, but you know how much quality he's got, and you look at his age and you think, you know, that's entirely reasonable. And actually, he's maybe starting to come out the other side of you know a slight dip in form. And I think between now and the end of the season, I think we even said it on here a couple of weeks ago, it might have been the last time the three years were on. I think we did say that look, Matt O'Reilly's his form has been a little bit indifferent. He's not hit the heights. But the one thing we said was with eight, nine weeks to go in the season at that point, I think we all agreed we wouldn't be surprised at all if Matt O'Reilly was to get a chance through injury or something else and actually come in and kept players out of the team. And I think that might well be what he's doing now. And the same way that he lost his role because Aaron Moy's form is spectacular, you might see that role reversed now between now and the end of the season. And that's that's the nature of competitive training and competitive players every week trying to do what they can. And I think O'Reilly's... The last two games has certainly um, lifted the levels back to, I think, a, a level that we all believe that he, sh- he can perform to week on week. Uh, we're getting some uh, messages in. I'll just read them out in a couple of minutes. But this is just some quotes from Ange about Matt O'Reilly. Um, he's 22 and he's been with the club for 18, month, 18 months. 
Within that 18 months, he's already had success from a team perspective. Matt's played big domestic games, he's played Champions League football and in a couple of different positions. O'Reilly's development and trajectory has been super. He's been a key contributor for us. Yes, he, is, he has real competition in his position, but that is always going to exist. It doesn't matter how well he plays, like every player on the team, there is competition for his place because that's how we get the best out of them. Sometimes other players will play, but that does not diminish Matt's contribution this year. We rely on the whole group and whoever needs to step up any any given moment has done so. Matt has certainly been one of them. He's an eager learner and someone who wants to get the very most out of his football career. That is the environment here. The players know every day is an opportunity to improve as they are surrounded by others who are looking to do so. Kieran, I'll come to yourself. Um, you know, if if we look at you know those players, you know, uh, Cal McGregor, Rio Hatati, Matt O'Reilly, and of course Awata, our, our good friend Adam Moyes at a contract in the summer. Um, there's a question we do a question coming in from um, I think it's Kevin. Yep, Kevin McGoldrick has messaged to say, um, afternoon. Do you think that Moy will be given another year? For me, I think you move him and Turnbull on and get in another midfielder. So, Kevin, maybe similar to yourself, I don't know, I'll come to you. Um, is it as simple as move Moy on and don't renew his contract? My sen- essentially, the question is, that fifth pl- position, what is the profile of that fifth position that you want? Um, so, well, it was, look, doesn't Moy, isn't it next summer his contract expires? I thought it was 2024, and the question is about whether we make him... It's 2024, uh, yeah, it's 2024, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think if you're looking at it from like a strategic club perspective, you'd really earmark that fifth row to be Ben Summers. Um, you know, you're, you're one of your brightest prospects in the youth team. You got some minutes yesterday, played slightly out of position because he's normally a number eight with the bees. Um, you'd, you know, I think actually it would make a bit of sense that if like me personally, I think you'd be looking to move to Turnbull on. We discussed, um, uh, a few weeks ago about whether it'd be good to either either you sell him permanently and try and make as much of your money back as possible and maybe get a, pro- a slight profit just because of the, you know, the talent and potential there that he had, isn't quite delivering at the moment um, and in that case I think it, you don't offer Moy another year but you keep him for another year I think when, and then you, oh, you have Summers have Turnbull's minutes is the way I'd think about it personally and then maybe Moy doesn't get as much game time next season. Maybe Summers gets a bit more. And that you'd keep maybe that would be six midfielders on the cards. But then, and that it makes personally, I think it makes sense because you're managing Moy's age and Summers' age, the, the opposite side of the spectrum. Um, that way you can make sure that Summers gets a bit more minutes because, you know, without having to overload him, you know, if you have six players there. It's unlikely, as intensive as we're playing and the amount of football that's played, it's unlikely he's going to be, we're going to have as extensive an injury crisis where he has to play, you know, 15, 20, 25 games next season by um, being forced to. You know, he might have, have a spectacular season and then you can, he, you just play him on merit. But this way, I do think it's a quite, a, you can treat it as a transition season for both. Moy, uh, if Moy, you know, is happy with that. If he's happy, you know, maybe not necessarily being a a starter, even a regular every every game. Um, that's a different that's a different conversation you have to have with him during the summer. But then you, I think, it's important. You know, if we do want Vata and Summers to be successes at Celtic, they need game time at some point beyond, you know, only getting half an hour when we're four one up, or only getting five minutes at the end. 
you know, I think it was good that Vata got that game time. I thought it looked bright and 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 pat and and spells. And, you know, and it, it takes time before you're contributing regularly over the course of nine, over ninety minutes. But you know, he obviously had that amazing cross for it all. Um, I think I think that's why I stand on it. I think I'd quite like to. It would. It might be good. You know, it's always something we think about bringing in that that number eight that can really elevate us to the next level. I think Hitati is, is doing it. He has done it. And then I think maybe with Awata and um, I think just Awata changes the conversation so much because of his versatility, because he enables you to play McGregor further forward because he can play that position as well. I I, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Would you still want like that? If one, if you're going to like sign three players this summer, would you want one of those to be that Champions League ready number eight? I get. I tell you this, Kieran. Right? See this nonsense about young players. Not for me. I want a shiny new fancy toy to drop in a plug and play Champions League midfielder to really ramp us up. And I will throw everyone under the bus. I'll throw Callum McGregor under the bus. I don't care. A plug and play Champions League six or eight, whatever. I'm not even that bothered. But no, I, I, I you know, in, in regards to like the Ben Summers thing and. You know, Adam Moy almost being like an insurance policy if maybe he doesn't quite hit the heights that first season. I think that's actually quite a kind of progressive and quite a good way of doing it. I'm not sure Ange will see it like that. I think, you know, we Alan, we've talked about in the past about how Ange, it's not his job to kind of develop players for Celtic, young players. It's his job to win football matches. And he, I think Kieran's get that kind of layout is quite a good good idea, but... He might see it a little bit differently, uh, Keith Allen. Well, yeah, I mean, Andrew's job is, well, it's very secure. He's winning everything in sight at the moment. Hopefully he'll go on and win a treble this season. He's going to take us to the Champions League next year. But his job, and that's a very basic way of looking at it, his job is as much as you ask him to do. And, you know, I think Keith has talked about it before. Um, and, you know, do you... You know, try and say look, we would like we do see it as a central tenant of the club that actually we bring through and develop academy players. I think it'll be interesting to see how much faith the club and Ange has in Rokovata between now and the end of the season because there will be a lot of games that you could give to him. There's a lot of game time. Yesterday was progress, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, so I think you can be a little bit more not forceful on the manager, but you can say look. If we provide young players that need refining, then we see it as part of your job to do that. Whether I, I haven't watched Rokovat or Ben Summers enough to make that assessment, so I, I can't really, I can't really comment on it. But um, I think yesterday, particularly for that, was certainly progress because that is meaningful game time. Yeah. Um, I think on Moy and would I like another Champions League ready number eight? Yes, absolutely. Um, because then it does open up that playbook to, you know, do you sell one? Do you maybe not take it? Because I think Moyes was a, an extra, um, the extra year is an option. I'm not sure whether it's player or club option, but I, I think both him and Ange seem to have a good understanding that they would probably sit down and make sure both are happy with it. Um, I think given what Moyes given us this year, it does offer that little bit of experience. We are quite a young squad and I don't necessarily see it to ha- as a bad thing to have a player um, of that kind of calibre and that calmness in the squad. So I, I would be keen for him to to stay on that extra year if he's if he's able to do it. But I'm always open to talented players. And when you talk about the Champions League, what, where games are crucial is in the middle of the park. And I found this year that 
we were able to compete for periods in games, but when we made changes, we just weren't able to maintain a level and our standards. Um, and that's where having five players of a similar calibre that are able to do it becomes very, very important then. It's not enough to have three players who are all good enough and we just hope that they're all fit and they can all play 90 minutes in those games because that's not enough. Actually, what you need is probably four, maybe five, because when it comes to making changes in the games, but it is a very labour-intensive role, as I said. You need the players who are coming on to be as close a standard to the starters as possible. Um and given the amount of game time we have, I think that's something that Ange could manage. So um, when it comes to the summer and recruitment, I think absolutely everything's on the table. So that's why the discussions about Moy, Turnbull probably need to be taken hand in hand with as anyone new coming in or is it going to be status quo get into, um, get into August? Um, a couple of comments coming in um, from Alistar. He says, uh, slight worry that Moy is reaching Colo Turi status. Can he get up to match co- uh, match condition quickly enough? Started the season slowly and struggling again after injury. Should his minutes be better given to others? Um, also, Paddy Biggins, given how long it takes Moy to... Jesus, Moy's taking a bad uh, take, uh Takes Moy to get started after being out. Uh, what will he be like after the summer? Should our midfield three be Kalmak, Iwata, Hatati, or O'Reilly in for Iwata? Um, these are really interesting questions. They're good, very good position to be in. Um, look, we're going. Let's just jump to the the kind of one I want to talk to because we've already hit forty five minutes. Um, Joe uh, McCready messaged in saying, uh, "Enjoy listening live. Ask the panel: Would they start Kobayashi and Iwata against them in the semi?" Uh, and this is also kind of a question kind of shadowed by Scott Murphy. Uh, good morning, Fenians, pronounced like Robin Williams saying Vietnam. Um, thanks, thanks muchly. Uh, good morning, Fenians. Nah, I can't do it. Uh, good, good point, uh, Scott. Uh, Arawata and Kobayashi in your first 11 for the now inevitable Champions League games next season. Um, so next season is obviously quite a time away. We'll have a whole window where we can, as we said, if we brought another kind of eight or a six in, then, you know, the whole complexion of everything changes or even another centre half if, you know, we don't know what the business we're going to do. So we can touch on that in a moment. But um, Joe's question about Wata and Kobayashi uh, in the semi-final against Rangers. Um, Kaden, we'll come to you first. It's a monumental game. It's the game that, really could cement Ange and put him in the upper echelons of Celtic managers. Only a few managers have done the um, the treble. Is it, you know, have they, is Kobayashi, for example, done an, done enough? Uh, is is Iwata done enough that they could start these ga- this this particular game at this point? So I think this is where we make the distinction of what I'd like and what Ange will probably do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think Ange I think there's a I think Ange will start Awata. I don't think he'll start Kobayashi. Um, I think because he's just so he's so comfortable with Starfelt and CCV, like he just he 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 likes it with them. I think maybe I, I think you maybe the sum in the summer in the Champions League. We're talking about Kobayashi. I think that's a different conversation because he will have the full preseason, it's more time to bed in, and and we'll, you know he might look at where you know it's the, the same. One of our biggest problems in Europe is our biggest is definitively our biggest problem against Rangers, which is our playing out from the back. Ange isn't a, is not isn't stupid. He knows this. Everyone can see it, and and you know I think that's maybe the catalyst for saying why why I'd like Kobayashi to be in for the the cup semi because you know. Th- the game at home, 
we just really struggled to play it from the back. It's that simple. You know, it was our biggest flaw. You know, I thought we were quite exciting in periods in the final third and even just getting out the ball at the pitch. But that was where we came down on. And, you know, Bill knows it. Rangers know it. That's our biggest issue where they just stand off the centre-backs and, you know, overrun the midfield. So we struggled to get over there. That's a different conversation when you have a centre-back that's comfortable taking the ball up the pitch or or even making the terms of, like, ambitious passing we, we saw yesterday. But... Again, I just I just feel maybe it's a bit a bit too soon. Um, but you know, we, we we might see a surprise. Ange might, you know, he, he might just rethink. He's like, okay, now now's the time to to give this guy a, a serious start, a serious game, as as we saw. An alternative might be if he is if it is about the pressure of these games, uh, it might be Starfelt and CCV for the cup game. And then you see Kobayashi for the final, the final derby, um, where it's maybe a little stress free, but you still get the pressure of playing these games. I think that's quite a nice, that's quite a good context, maybe to to give these guys exposure to these fixtures. But yeah, we'll wait and see. Um, Alan, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, th- I think that's that last scenario. In theory, probably sounds nice. I think. I think the only question or maybe thought I would have on it is I reckon, I do think if Ange felt Kobayashi that, that if he was on a par as a defender with and, and I'm going to say Starfelt because I would assume that it would be it would favour him alongside CCV, but you know that's that's maybe a big assumption. I feel I feel as if he would go with it and he would be bold and he would be brave. Now, there is a question of potentially acclimatising to the league and that's something really I, I can't quantify. It's very, very difficult. But I'm not sure if you're not going to play him in the game um, at the end of the month against Rangers, how much would then change to say, but I will play him in six Champions League games next season. I agree with the principle that we we will need to go into the Champions League next year with at least one more ball playing centre half. Um, I would be I would be a little bit concerned about the progress of where we're going if we go into this, those games in the starting pairing as staff out in CCV. And that's I, I love them both. I think they're excellent. But if we are going to try and play the way we want to, we're going to have to at least have one who can be a little bit more adventurous with the ball. So. Whether that player is Kobayashi or not, though, is probably the question. Because if if Kobayashi was on a par defensively, Andy clearly is able to do what he did yesterday um, against higher quality opposition. I feel that he would have had more game time um, already. So I think he probably will revert to Starfield and CCV. And I'm not convinced, though, that that's something that would necessarily change going into six Champions League games next season. Um, with the big grant. Um, caveat being if Kobayashi potentially just needs to acclimatise more and maybe needs more time to develop and you know get to know his teammates but I, I think he, he, he does speak English as far as I'm aware as well so he, he looks comfortable, he looks comfortable around his teammates um, it's just whether Ange thinks he needs more time to you know develop to, to play in, in European matches but I'm a little bit more um, reserved about my my thoughts, maybe than, than Kieran is. Um, I'm I'm not quite. I'm not in the pool shots and ready to jump in the jacuzzi just yet. But you're at the bar thinking about it. Oh, I'm I'm looking in. I'm staring. People are wondering. <laughs> oh, People yeah. are wondering why that guy's staring. <laughs> 
He's a salon. <laughs> you took it to a whole new level. Um, That's I, why we don't do this live every week. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, see, what I think is quite interesting is um, what you, your comment there, Alan, about how um, you would assume that it would be CCV and Kobayashi. I, mm. I really get, I get the feeling that if he does pull the trigger on this, it'll be Starfelt and Kobayashi. I, no, no way. You've... You for the heavy weekend, son. Come no, on no, now. no, no. I, I just, I, I think, I, I, that's, I, I think, Angel, look at who's the most, who's the guy we can turn over, like, who, who will have more interest in the summer if we were to sell someone to bring in more money to buy, buy another centre half. I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I don't think Angel thinks about that in the slightest. I, I really don't think he, not cares. I, I just don't think he cares about how much money the club gets in because. If we get twenty five million for one of the and a half, which I think is highly unlikely, but just for this example, what what would that give you to spend? Are Celtic going to spend ten, twelve million on one player? I don't think so. So I think once it gets above beyond a certain point, I, I think it doesn't make all right, all right, much let, difference. Right, okay, right, okay, Alan, right, fucking okay, calm down, pal. Right, Jesus, you're on live, and all of a sudden you think you can make. I don't know. You watched you watched the second half yesterday, and that's the pair you want to go in uh, the Champions League. No, I, 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 I'm, talk, I'm talking about Ange Postecoglou, no me. There's, there's, would, a, there's a three-match home package up for sale, by the way, I would just for like, next season's games. I, I would just like to say, I want a plug-and-play Champions League centre-half. Drop him in. No. What I mean is, just, do you think if a decision is made, so, if we come to the semi-final and he does play Kobayashi and another, it doesn't really matter who the other person is, right? Let's say it's... Uh, let's uh, say you're it, back down. You're back down. <laughs> let's say it's Starfelt, right? Okay. <laughs> what an asshole <laughs> absolute asshole now let's say he does play Kobayashi he starts Kobayashi and another do you think that kind of is an indication that Kobayashi has that jersey you mentioned it yourself Alan and I'll come to Kieran first but you know you mentioned it that when you've got that jersey and you impress Ange doesn't he's not going to bring someone else in because he's got, you know, sympathy for them or, you know, it's almost like reputations are kind of checked at the door and what you've done, it's as good as you are right now, which I think is pretty refreshing for a football manager. Kieran, would would it be, obviously it would be a big statement if, if he, Kobayashi and another played. Do you think it would be an indication that Kobayashi's the guy and it is Kobayashi plus another? I, I think so, yeah. Um, obviously we have to get to that point, but I do think... I think we have we have seen it that Hatate and O'Reilly being dropped into the deep end was a complete anomaly. Ange doesn't like doing that. You know, we are seeing how good Awata is now, and it took him three months to adjust. I think maybe we, like, I think it's also like it's natural. I, I had it for sure. Like the, the amount of time that, that Awata and Kobayashi weren't getting a lot of game time. I was are they are they just not performing in training, or are they not up to the level we we hope they might be? And we're saying that it is very clear that we discussed that like Ange has not his favourites, but he does that if you're if you're performing well, you keep your place generally, especially at centre back and especially as you know the number six because with McGregor being who he is, um, I, I do th- you know it's becoming very clear now is stuff I've heard like I've, obviously I don't I very very rarely chat to the people I used to in my old job, but every now and again I, I, I just message off the cuff and they have talked about how amazing Awata looks in, in training how incredible he's been it, it just maybe has the thing that you just have to be patient and wait your time and I think this is the same with it's, it's not just like the new players are coming in January this was the same with Haxabanovich took ages and there's also players coming back from injury 
the, the it's, it's, it's unfortunate because you might have been playing well and then you get injured for a few weeks or a couple of months and then you come back and whoever's taking your spot is doing really well and you just have to bide your time. I think, you know, you mentioned before, it's refreshing. It is good management because it's, it's good management to combine that with making sure they're supported and feel valued and you are rotating so you don't get injuries. But it's also good management to to absolutely stick by your guns that if you play well when you perform, so when you when you perform when you play, then you get your game time, then you get your starts, and he's sticking by that quite quite thoroughly. And that's yeah, I I do like that. And it's you know it can be for because as you mentioned earlier, you want your shiny new number eight, and we want we wanted to see the shiny new centre back in Awata and the shiny new number six sooner. But yeah, that's just that's what fans are like. We want we want new stuff, and it's and it's exciting, but. I think in the long long term, it's the same thing, I guess. It's a similar vein of what Somani touched on yesterday where part of you is annoyed we didn't win that game 9-1, but it was also good squad management with some big games coming up that you do you do maybe ease off the gas to make sure we don't get injuries and we do take Kyogo off when he, you know when the form he's in, they could have got a couple more in the second half. It's just, it's you know, it's the pra- practical objective decision that uh, understandably pisses us off at times as well. Um. Just on the uh, the four one game, Alan. As we say, there's a full reaction. Um, we went in detail with with all of it. Um, so check it out. Um, Haksabanovic, again. I, I thought he was he, he was fine, but he's not kind of grabbing these games by the scruff of the neck. And you could obviously say, you know, he was playing on the right hand side, which is kind of unnatural for him. Um, but he was he was quite quiet, effective, but pretty quiet. Thoughts, Alan. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was pretty quiet. Um, and just as an aside, he's, he's a very quiet player on the park. He's probably of all the players in the team, he's the one that he tends to just not do his own thing because that makes it. But he's he's very he's not particularly vocal. He just tends to, you know, yeah, just do his own thing, which is just quite unusual because we do have quite a um, a chatty team and quite a, a lot of loud guys on there. Um, but I don't think I don't think it was a great game from yesterday. Yesterday was a bizarre game. I think it'd be quite difficult to take readings of players that are you know trying to impress from yesterday, um, because I mean he didn't play well, but before nothing up within you know whatever minutes it is, and the game's largely done. Kelly make defensive changes, and I think it's funny just to kind of add on to what Kieran said and what was discussed on the reaction yesterday. If all the excitement. If the halves had swapped and the first half was turgid and the second half had panned out that way, we would be delighted and we would think, great, because these games are sticky. But because it happened in reverse, you kind of feel as if you'd been cheated. And <laughs> Yesterday, watching the second half was brutal. Um, it was awful. But you had to remind yourself that we're in 4-1. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a tough game to take readings and players. And I think particularly the wingers. Um, but wasn't really a lot of opportunity for them to create because everything just came through the middle. So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, um, you know, Haksivanovic is a kind of tricky one. He's the player that's maybe dividing the support a little bit just now because there are people who are all in on Haksivanovic, Chris Gallagher and Chris Amani mainly. And then there are maybe others that are a bit more pragmatic maybe and think that, there's a reason he doesn't start big games and there's a reason he doesn't yeah. play 90 minutes and I'll not name those people. Um, but yeah, 
that's just the way of it. So I don't think I'd be critical of him yesterday. It was a comfortable game. It was an odd game. A lot of guys kind of dropped out of it. And I think, but you discuss these guys because you feel they've got a point to prove and that they are the ones that need to take the opportunity. Um, but it was a very, very bizarre game to read yesterday. And the nature of some of the goals and how we got that far ahead, I think just makes it difficult for sometimes wingers to create when, well, Kilmarnock did a lot of the creating for us at times. Um, Kieran, we've got Motherwell on um, Saturday. It's the last game before the split. It's the last game, obviously, we've got the big semi-final. Um, would you be keen? Would you be interested? Would you be um, tempted to kind of make wholesale changes? Or is it a case of that team that plays on Saturday against Motherwell is probably going to be the team that plays against Rangers? How would you, What way would you look at it? I think it would be... The team again, I think it'll be quite instructive because if it, if it is just the case where it's just CCV and Starfelt and Maid and Jota, um, then you're like, okay, that's the team that's going to be against Rangers. If, you know, Haxabanovich or Kobayashi are in there, then I think it's quite interesting because you, is it like a trial run where if you guys really, really impress, you do get your spots? I don't think Ange tent, he doesn't always work like that, but I do think it'll be, I do think it'll be instructive. Like I had, um, mother, the, the team against Motherwell because I do think, it does, you know, the position we're in, it does mean we can not not experiment a bit, but try try some new things, at least in terms of personnel, that maybe we couldn't if we were, you know, if we'd lost that uh, that game against Rangers and it was six point uh, difference instead. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how he's going to tackle it, but I do think it will be really interesting, regardless of what team he actually goes with. I think it will be very interesting and what that signals about the, the Rangers game. Alan, how do you think it'll go with that with that team selection? I, th- I think it will be you know me, I'm a big uh, theatre guy many years in the theatre, dress rehearsal um, I think um, you'll you'll probably see the starting lineup will largely be what I think he wants to do the weekend after. You want to go into that sharp players having played, you know, at least an hour of that game. Motherwell are in good form as well, so it's a good test um, so I think the centre halves, the certainly the centre halves that start that game, I think, are guaranteed to start against Rangers. There's a little bit more flexibility maybe for the winger change, but you know, I think it probably, I think you'll revert back to probably a very similar team to that that faced Rangers. What I would like to see this week is a wee picture of Rio Hatati and training, smiling, running, jogging. Yes, that please. would be nice. Yes, please. That, that would be that. I tell you, that would make my week. It would make my week as well. Um, the red card, Derek McInnes afterwards. Uh, they were really, apparently, Kelly were really good in the second half and all that stuff, but he kept going on and on about the red cards. Um, they did a VAR check. Um, you oh, know, the old one. I the thought one. I, maybe I had switched off at some point or dozed off at some point. But no. Yeah, the, the, the old one. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I thought it was a bit, I mean, his foot was really high and it was just, I think it was more unfortunate than anything. Not that you can't still not get red cards for making an unfortunate challenge, but I don't think it was a red card. Kieran, do you think it was a red card? No, I, 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 if 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 it was against Celtic, I probably would be. <laughs> I think it's, it's one of those where you yeah. probably would be absolutely fuming that it isn't a red card. He's he does need. To, I guess there's probably oh he's got a couple of uh, stuff. He's got that. He's got a bit of bite in him. Oh, it's a bit of needle, um, bit of needle there. Eh? And, about and a bit of and a ball. But not when he's trying to die for a penalty as well. But <laughs> that sort of the needle goes away. But um, yeah, so that, I think I think you know I think people will say oh you know it's not. He needs to work on on the diving and the these sort of like <laughs> the needle, as you say. But I like it. I, I like it. Yeah. I think it adds a sort of character, and he, he's clearly a very competitive guy. 
which I, I think I think that's part of it. You know, you, you might lose that sort of competitive urge if you're trying to, you know, know nullify those edges to his game. And I, I you know, that, that I'm, like, I'm like Alan. When you see someone someone have that bit of a bit of a bite, I, it just gets you excited. It just gets, especially if you, in that second half when there was not a lot of <laughs> bite elsewhere. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah, I think it's one of those. Uh, Alan, what about you? You think it was a red card? Um, I'm struggling to remember it. I don't know if I've seen it, Christopher. Um, <laughs> oh, very they, good. Um, I might Arsene Wenger this one. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, I think it could have been. I was a wee bit surprised given how decisions have generally went this year. I was a little bit surprised that he wasn't um, asked to go and have a look at it, which we know how that goes. But I don't think there was malice in it. But yeah, I think when you see a foot going up like that, if it was the other way, it would have been absolutely fuming. Um, so maybe you can read into that what you will I do agree with Kieran he needs to work on the diving a lot um, because if you want to get a penalty you're going to have to dive a lot better than that so um, I'd like to I'd like him to work on it the next two weeks and get one at Hamden um, a penalty for diving with VAR that is like the ultimate chef's kiss of you're very good at it so well um, to Alan with all, with, all, with all your love about, of the theatre apparently um, yeah big, big theatre guy big theatre guy you know, maybe you could uh, have some lessons with them. Sounds good. Um, I'll you set that up, and we'll work on it all week. We'll be up the townhead pits from half six tonight, every night, walking away on it. Yeah, just your fake falls. Um, Celtic FC women uh, defeated Glasgow City yesterday, which was a fantastic uh, result. Great performance. We missed two fucking penalties. Uh, we also, obviously, that's three penalties missed over the weekend. But um, now it's down to uh, four or five points. Five points. Um, and Rangers are playing Glasgow City on Wednesday, so they could potentially do us a favour and um, reduce that even further. Um, we play Hearts in Edinburgh on Wednesday. There will be a Celtic women's football show on Wednesday. Um, let me run through the, the agenda for the week. You're listening to the agenda, which obviously we're doing live. Um, if, you, if you've enjoyed the live agenda, let us know. Uh, give us some feedback. You can WhatsApp us, you can uh, email us, editor at thecynic.co, you can DM us on Twitter, you can DM us, DM us on Instagram. Uh, just let us know if you've enjoyed the live uh, agenda. Tomorrow we've got the review. Christian and uh, Graham will be looking at the game against Kilmarnock, uh, doing a tactical review of it. Celtic Women's Football Show on Wednesday. Um, that'll be looking back at the Glasgow City game and ahead to the game against Hearts. Um, Thursday we've got the Celtic the Cynic Weekly, of course. Friday we've got the Weekend Update. Saturday, we've got the reaction to the Motherwell game, which is a 3pm kickoff on Saturday. And on Sunday, we've got Tears of a Cynic, a new episode of Tears of a Cynic with myself, uh, Lorenzo and Paul Carlin. So check that out. We've got two questions that we're going to finish on. Um, the first question, actually, you know what? We'll f- yeah, do you know what? We'll finish on. Liam sent in a question. There's been a couple of questions. Jambo Roy's got a question as well. We've not had time to check on, but we'll maybe use that for the, the weekly. Thanks for getting involved as always, Jambo Roy. Um, Liam's question, I've been really impressed with Brighton. They've lost a manager, but actually they've improved under their placement. Their replacement. This sort of succession planning is what Celtic should be doing. Do you think we are doing this? And who would be on your list to come in and replace Ange? Uh, I don't think we're doing it. Uh, Alan, do you think we're doing it? It's a shame to end on a wee negative, but... <laughs> No, I don't. I don't think we are. I don't think there's been. I think the the phrase that I've used a lot, and I think I've said it quite a few times over the last maybe six to six months or so, is that I don't think anything has changed under Ange that couldn't be undone overnight. 
because I think there has been some moves. I think we have tried to, we have brought some people in, but there's nothing structural. There's no power being devolved away largely from one or two individuals at the club um, and, and include the manager within that. Um, so I think a lot of our success depends largely on the success of managerial recruitment. Now, I'm not necessarily saying I'm against that, Gar. I know we've had many discussions about the best Celtic teams in our lifetime. And do you know what? They've been with a manager who had complete control from top to bottom. Um, so I think I'm very much of the enjoy it when when the times are good um, and stock up on, on that because I think it does come down to recruitment. Um, but maybe moves could be made. Maybe Celtic would argue that they are a little bit more prepared and that there's been moves made in how we scout and how we, we use data. But I, I don't think there's anything that couldn't be quickly overdone overnight if you appointed a different manager with a different style and way of looking at football. Um, so I think it all does come down to managerial recruitment and picking the right person. Um, so, no, to, to be blunt, I don't think we are quite at that level yet. Kieran, I guess you'd agree. Yeah, I don't think we are. But if we're, we're trying to be, if we want to end on a positive note, I think, you know, we are hoping it's going to be a case of Mark Lawwell bringing his best practice from Man City and City Football Group and introducing that to Celtic rather than Celtic doing the top down thing of saying, this is how we, this is how. This is how we run the organisation. These are organisational practices. You adapt to us. Um, you know, I think there was some, the way you mentioned it in the Biscuitin, um with the way we handled Jaranovic and Giacomakis and bringing in Johnston and, um, oh, they, that that was just, that was a really good transfer window in terms of how we, we work that. You know, Ian made the point, maybe we could have wanted a bit more money, but the realities of the transfer market weren't there. But that's some. That kind of um, advanced strategic thinking is just something I've never seen from Celtic in my lifetime before. It's just something that we, we are so short-termist, especially when it comes to recruitment. So maybe that's a sign that, you know, it could just, maybe this is just overanalyzing, but maybe that is a sign that there is some evolution in how we, we work operationally. Um, maybe Lowell will have input and maybe we will adapt to what, City Football Group, what Man City and what Brighton do, where they have a short list of candidates on on record. You know, you know, even even when the manager is as happy as he's ever been and there's just content, it's just how a good business operates. Is having that short list of candidates ready to go because you know there's always the risk of something going wrong, no matter how content you you might be. Maybe maybe we will be get to that stage, but I don't know at the moment and. If, we, if it is, as Alan is saying, if it is still in the power of certain individuals, then it's, it's, it's unlikely. Alan, you want to come in? Yeah, I, I think what will be a very big checkpoint um, and a really important point will be after match day six of the Champions League next season um, of those group stages because we do have a tendency to get to a point and then start to think about how how it will unfold and how it will unfurl. And instead of potentially thinking, let's drive forward, sometimes we can have a bit of a knack for being, you know, to kind of maybe use a, a phrase, protectionist a little bit. And I think if if we see progress in the group stage of the Champions League next year, not necessarily by finishing second, but progress in terms of performance results, I think then that could show us that we're on the right path and we continue to try to push forward, develop and improve. My worry would be if we don't 
if the board would then look at that and think we've reached a point with this manager and we now need to protect ourselves by not over-investing, not feeling as if we're putting all our eggs in one basket, because we do tend to do that sometimes. And that's a kind of a, a point that a lot of managers have reached at Celtic and we've talked about, we've seen it in recent years. Andrew's demands are, I, I think, generally a little bit more modest. But if he was to then say, I need a little bit more to push this club on, that's the point, I think. And that will probably come either in a good sense or a bad sense after the six matches in the Champions League next year. So that will be probably a big checkpoint and one to maybe come back to that discussion to watch and see what we do then. But hopefully we'll have another window where we will see progress improvement, um, you know, and the manager will be given funds to do exactly what he wants to do. But I think it'll be after that, after those Champions League games, that's when the club will maybe either retreat into that protectionist mode or think, actually, we're happy with what we're seeing here and we're going to push forward. Final, 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 final question uh, from Joe McCready. Uh, he asks, Alan, uh, is, since I'm going to Donegal on Friday for a week, where did you get your best pint of Guinness, maybe? Uh, yes, I have um, best pint of Guinness. Oh, that's a tough one, stiff competition. Um, the Old Glen in Carragat was lovely. Blake's in Letterkenny, if you're looking for a bigger town. And... Patsy Dan's and um, Dunfanaghy was very nice as well but don't they all have lovely pints <laughs> don't they all have lovely very theatrical Alan as, as we know you're a big you know theatre big into the big theatre Alan we call them um, <clears throat> listen this has been fantastic as always um, thanks uh, to Kieran and Alan if you've enjoyed uh, listening to us live um, let us know uh, give us some feedback ed- editor at thecynic.co um, or you can whatsapp us and let us know uh, or just drop us a DM on one of the social media uh, platforms but uh, Kieran Devlin it's been a joy as always it's been a pleasure Chris I've thoroughly enjoyed recording live lovely stuff uh, Alan Edgar as always sir we'll speak to you soon Lovely. Pleasure to get the, the old gang back together. Have a good week, boys. Great stuff. Uh, from Kieran Devlin, from Alan Edgar, from myself, Chris Gallagher, this has been The Agenda, and we'll speak to you down the road. <laughs>